Eagles Entertainment. Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. Everything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right, another week, and we've got an NFC East matchup as Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 220. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I catch up with NFL film senior producer Greg Cosell to talk about what we saw in the Eagles game against the New York Giants on Monday Night Football before we transition to this weekend's matchup against the Washington Redskins. After that, we will dive into my notes from Dwayne Haskins, the rookie quarterback for Washington as he came out of Ohio State last year. How did I see him a year ago? How has he transitioned so far to the NFL? We'll talk about that in our scouting report segment, but let's not waste any more time. Let's get to the top of the show here. It's time for Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Happy to be joined once again here on Chalk Talk on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. He's not in studio this week because of the short week. Uh, Tuesday morning here, the morning after the Eagles' big win over the New York Giants. Please be joined by Greg Cosell from NFL Films from uh, his comfy, cozy layer, laboratory, whatever you want to call it, uh, over at Films. Greg, welcome back to the show. All right, Fran, it's good to be here. I'm sure uh, you and I probably didn't get a lot of sleep last night, but uh, that's no. the way of the world. That is the, <clears throat> that's where that's you know that's uh, it's le- the way of life in the NFL. But um, look, it, a huge win for the Eagles, a much needed win. Uh, hopefully, something that can kind of serve as a little bit of a launching pad here down the stretch. Obviously, getting ready to take on uh, this Washington football team that we'll talk about uh, a little bit later in the segment. But let's first focus here on the overtime win uh, on Monday Night Football under the lights against the New York Giants. Ugly first half. I mean, on both sides of the football, uh, you know, offensively, they couldn't get much going. They lose Alshon Jeffrey relatively early in the game. You lose Lane Johnson relatively early in the game. You came in without Nelson Aguilar. So uh, you go from three receivers dressed down to two. Josh Perkins has to play a lot. Boston Scott has to play a lot, especially because Miles Sanders goes out. So a lot of mixing and matching, which has basically been the status quo for this Eagles offense uh, throughout the course of the 2019 season. But they were able to make it work in the second half and they come back and get the W. No, you're right. I mean, obviously, Lane Johnson getting hurt. Vitae came in. At least he's a player with experience. Uh, when Jeffrey got hurt, uh, boy, they were they were in tough shape at receiver with Othego Whiteside and Ward. And uh, Perkins obviously played a good amount of snaps. And it became really a 12 and 13 personnel offense. Yep. So you had some limitations in, in what you could do offensively. Um, but, you know, they had some some long drives in the second half. I mean, they, they had the long drive where they obviously scored um, a touchdown. They had another long drive which ended in a missed field goal. But then they had the long scoring drive to tie it and obviously the one that won in overtime. But uh, it, it, it was tough going for a good part of the game. No, no question. So uh, let's talk about what they were able to kind of do to get things turned around. And I think when uh, you look around at some of that, the box score and you say, man, Boston Scott, uh, Josh Perkins, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside came up with a big catch. Greg Ward had a couple of grabs. Uh, not names that we would you know, have anticipated coming into the season. It looked more like uh, what we would see you know, on a Thursday night in August 
August in the third quarter as opposed to uh, a Monday night in December. But, you know, when we look at what they were able to do, I thought Carson Wentz had one of his better games of the season, uh, made plays when they needed to be made. And I thought that the guys on the other end, I mean, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside on a touchdown drive came up with an outstanding catch, arguably the best catch of any wide receiver on the Eagles roster all (laughs) season long uh, when he made that catch down the field in the fade over the shoulder. I think when you look at what some of those young guys did, I think that gives you a, a little bit of hope moving down the stretch here that, all right, this is something hopefully that they can build off of down the stretch in these final three games. Yeah, it was an odd game because, as you said, the first half was was difficult to watch. It was difficult to watch live, and it was difficult to watch on tape. Yeah. Uh, and I think I think the blame goes around for that first half. It's not one thing. It was a lot of factors. There were just missed plays. Plays. There were some plays to be made that were not made. That was actually true in, in I believe, in the second half as well. I remember Sanders actually, and he's blocked extremely well yeah. this year. He missed a block on Ogletree where Perkins, it, it would have been a touchdown. Yep. Uh, and I know you know the play I'm speaking about. And uh, But obviously, it, it, it's an offense that's limited, as we both know, in their big play capability. So you see a lot of nine-yard plays, 10-yard plays, that's really that has to be their mo. Uh, some of the longer plays occurred. You know, I, I actually like the the Ertz thirty yarder on the first field goal drive was a really well designed double post corner route concept that broke down the the, the cover three. Um, I still am trying to figure out what the coverage was on the Goddard 28-yard play. Uh, I, if you know what the coverage was, I'd love to know because I, I, I probably I, looked at that play 10 times. Right. At first, I thought it was cover three when I was watching. I thought it was zone because I'm looking at the underneath defenders, and you know, you see that guys are kind of just – they looked like they were spot dropping in the middle. But watching it more and more this morning, as I because I did the breakdown last night of it, and I thought, oh, it's, it was zone. I kind of think that the, the Giants – and they had a few of these in this game – a uh, busted coverage. It looked like it was supposed to be David Mayo that may have been sp- supposed to run down the seam with Dallas Goddard. Um, they ran a little post-wheel combination basically uh, with Goddard. And he was wide open down the seam. Uh, it seemed like one of those linebackers, whether it was Ogletree or Mayo, was supposed to run down with them, and no one did. Well, it's funny because Goddard started on the opposite side of the formation and uh, with, with Ertz, I believe, on that side. I think it was Ertz. Yep. Uh, and they had two defenders over them, so it could have been man at that point. But then when Goddard crossed the formation to make it a one-by-three set, no one went with him. So, you know, that led me to believe that it was a zone concept. But, again, when he ran the seam, and it was, it, they ended up with four to the field because the back uh, raced to the flat to that side. So they ended up with four to the field, but no one accounted for Goddard running down the seam. And you, you ha- whether it's man or zone, someone has to do that. Yep. You know, I think that you know you had you obviously the Eagles were able to come up with uh, a couple of those conversions where you were able to take advantage of some miscues defensively from the Giants. I know the first play of overtime certainly looked like it was a little bit of a bust on that play to Miles Sanders in the flat. Obviously the game-winning touchdown, a busted coverage with Zach Ertz wide open in the back of the end zone. Certainly a handful of those uh, in this game. What I like to see, and I think a lot of people want to know. All right, like we, they got a little bit of juice from, from Boston Scott, who does have, I mean, that's one of his most redeeming right. qualities for sure, is that he's got that short area burst. He's got that ability to pull away. He's got some dynamic qualities. We saw some make you miss, and he did it both in the run game and in the pass game on Monday night. And that's a great point, and it's an offense that sorely needs it because even if they have their full complement of receivers, they don't have that with their receivers. So they need it somewhere. And um, I actually thought the play call with Scott, the 25-yard run, that was an overtime, I believe, was yep, it not? It was, yep. The yeah, that was, I mean, obviously, when they do the orbit motion with Ward, they don't know for certain 
that the corner is going to run with Ward. I mean, you don't know that for sure when you call the play, but it doesn't matter because they had a blocker for him anyway. But I thought that was a nice play call. It was kind of a guard center pull scheme. Uh, and it was, I can't remember whether it was to the field or the boundary, but it worked really, really well. Um, and like I said, even if the corner stayed there, they had a blocker for him. So that was a really nice play. They came back to it later with Sanders on the same drive. wasn't as effective, but at that time, it just it really was worked well. Yeah, and I thought that in this game, uh, the Eagles were able to get the screen game going a little bit. And we've seen in recent weeks that the screen game had struggled. You know, the defense was able to sniff some of those out. Uh, I can think of some to Sanders, some to Goddard, where the defense just seemed to be all over it. But in this game, I thought that they really sold the screen game well. They had a couple of really nice ones. Well, even if they were some simple bubble screens or flash screens to the, to the, the, the perimeter, but it also some of those basic, you know, three-count running back screens out of the backfield. Miles Sanders had one. Uh, Boston Scott had one. So I thought they, they were able to get the screen game going as well. And that's a significant part of their offense uh, because they, in some ways that takes the place of the fact that they don't really have a strong intermediate and vertical game. Um, they did try some things in this game. I mean, we mentioned the Earth's 30-yarder on the first field goal drive in the second quarter. There, there were a couple of other design vertical route combinations yep. that uh, – for for whatever reason, did not work. Some were just missed blocks. Um, I thought that Wentz did make a really, really good throw to Ward on the one that was incomplete. I, yeah. Even on the replays, I couldn't tell if Bethay got his hand on that or not. It looked like he got a fingertip on it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it would have been a tough catch. It was a great throw. It was a catchable ball. I believe that play came after the, the challenge by Peterson. So, um, you know, obviously it was a situation where uh, – uh, I don't think that was where the field goal was missed, so they did not come away with points. Right, and honestly, the the throw before that, uh, if Greg Ward had not tipped that ball, obviously the, the P.I. would have been more in play, but I thought J.J. Uh, Ortega-Whiteside may have had a chance uh, on that play. I thought that was an outstanding play from Carson as well, where you know he broke the pocket, made one defender miss outside the numbers, kind of ducked through contact, and then was able to unleash that ball down the field. That looked like it was heading right for J.J.'s chest as he's sliding to the ground, uh, but unfortunately just, you know, again, Greg Ward doesn't know that. He's jumping up, trying to make a play as well, and the ball's tipped and uh, falls incomplete. No, you're right. You're right. But the the, the catch by Ortega Whiteside, the one you were f- referenced earlier, I mean, theoretically, that's why he's drafted, to be able to make plays like that. Yep. You know, he's got the bigger body. He's got the good hands. Um, he's not a burner, so he's not necessarily going to win by running by people, but he can make those tough contested body control catches. That was his M.O. at Stanford. Yep. To me, one of the biggest parts of the the success of that play was, you know, that he was able to defeat press coverage from Sam Beal and hold that red line. You know, we talk a lot about that imaginary red line between the numbers and the sideline. Give the quarterback room outside towards the sideline to deliver that throw, drop it in a bucket so it's not a really tight space. So him being able, it wasn't a great jam from Sam Beal, so it's not like, uh, you know, it was against Darrell Rivas there, but uh, him able to maintain, his being able to maintain that red line, stay vertical, hold his stem well. Well, giving Carson Wentz room outside the numbers was a big part of that play, and obviously the tracking and the finish was big as well. No question. Uh, but it was, uh, you know, it was a game where I, I was kind of getting ready to go to bed, Fran, and then I kept saying, "Well, let me watch a little more." And all of a sudden, it got close, and yep. then they missed the field goal in the fourth quarter. And I'm thinking, "Oh boy!" But you know, I just uh, had to stay with it. 
Yeah, no, it was uh, one of the other big things we haven't quite talked about a lot was, you know, I think a, a week ago, uh, Zach Ertz w- was really down on himself for just how that game ended down in South Beach in Miami, uh, put a lot of that on himself. To see him come back, nine catches, 91 yards. You mentioned he had a couple of those catches that led to the early field goal in the first half, their only points of the first half, and then to have the two touchdowns both in fourth quarter to tie the game and then also in overtime uh, to walk off with the victory. I thought that was really good to see, kind of that resiliency, a little bit of a, a macro or a micro look at the resiliency of this team to see him bounce back that way. Yeah, and I thought the two-yard touchdown, which tied it, was it, we've seen that concept many, many times where they have they had three tight ends, obviously, to that side of the field, to the closed boundary, and then that play was designed for Ertz yep. with, the, with the combination routes by both Perkins, I think, was outside, and Goddard was inside, and Ertz was number two in that closed boundary uh, three tight end set. And, uh, you know, they basically got him one-on-one on Love. And now that was a great throw by Wentz and a great catch because there was not a lot of room there. Love did not play that poorly. No, and honestly, I was we were watching the game. I was watching the tape back this morning with uh, with Ben Fennel, and I turned to him and I said, "How many times since 2016 have we seen them hook up on this play? Whether it's on the goal line, the red zone, yeah. uh, third down, fourth down, it's been such a, a hallmark play for them. And it's it's honestly the success rate on it has been very very good as well. It's been, it's certainly one of their money makers. No, it's a staple, and we've seen it both in the tight red zone. I mean, they normally do it in the tight red zone. If yeah. you get a little further out. They go with the other play, which they really like, which is the touchdown he caught against Chicago and the one he unfortunately dropped last week. Yeah, the corner post, yep. Yep. Uh, and then uh, let's go over to the defensive side real quick as well. Again, you know, you kind of look you say the same thing about the offense. Ugly start to the game. And really, I wouldn't even say it was a, a full, like, oh, man, this was just terrible all around. It really came down to two plays. The, the Giants went two for 12 on third down the entire night. The defense was able to lock them down on third down and get off the field. It just so happened that those two third down conversions happened to be big plays to Darius Slay down the left sideline. One on a, a quick throw that was a missed tackle and he ran the rest of the way and one on a deep ball. And that was what uh, we asked you to break down last week on Eagles game plan were two very similar plays with Slayton, the rookie out of Auburn, yeah. who's got that long speed. Uh, and he, he showed that in the first half. Yeah, and that second one was obviously a busted coverage. Yes. Um, I, I would assume it was Darby because the ball was caught outside the numbers, which normally is the corner. But, again, I don't know how they map all that out, but it was certainly a bust. Um, and the the first one was what they've done a lot of this year, and they've had success where they, they lined up with that five across front with Bradham, and he came, and then they, they brought Jenkins on the green dog, but the Giants did not slide their front. They matched up one-on-one across the board, so Jenkins did not have a, a clear path. Barkley was able to pick him up without a problem, plus the ball came out quick. Yeah, the ball came out quick. Uh, you know, and he was able to you know make sure he uncovered, was able to make the catch, and uh, Darby unable to make the tackle uh, in that situation. Outside of those two plays, and you know, I know the the uh, how was the rest of the play, Mrs. Lincoln? But outside of those two plays, uh, you know, defensively, I thought we saw some good things. You know, and you know, one guy that continues to flash for me, Greg. Um, is Nate Gary. You know, I'm not, again, not right. saying that he's, uh, you know, turning into one of the best linebackers in the NFL, but he's continuing to flash over the last few weeks. And I know he was putting the spotlight a little bit in that loss to Seattle uh, with that missed tackle that led to a big play. But ultimately, I think that he's really kind of turned around over the last few weeks. And he's very, very active, always around the ball, had a couple of one on one stops with Saquon Barkley, had a couple of pass breakups as well. So I thought he was really active in this game. Yeah, and he's going to be a guy as they go forward. They're going to have to make a decision as to whether he's a starting linebacker. Uh, He's obviously been a starter this year, uh, but he's one of those guys. As we go forward, a decision will have to be made. Um, He's a young player. He's in his second year, I believe, right? 
Correct. Uh, second yeah. or third year, yeah, out of Nebraska. I, I, they all uh, meshed together for me. Yeah, yeah, no, you, you start to forget that. But, uh, <laughs> no, he'll, he'll be a guy they'll have to make a decision about as to whether they see him as a starter uh, going forward. Because uh, yeah. linebacker is a position they'll probably have to address at some point. And, and Gary becomes an, an interesting evaluation as to how they see him. Yep, and I think a lot of people will say, all right, well, what was the difference in the defense from first half to second half? And I mentioned, you know, outside of those two plays in the first half, it was more more of the same. I will say that it seemed like they did mix up coverages a little bit, particularly on third down. We saw a little bit more split safety, a little bit more quarter-quarter half, uh, the combo coverages. Uh, what did you see when uh, watching the, the, the defense No, third I would down? say that's fair, and I'm, I'm just going to put my glasses on here because I made a note that when the Eagles were in their four-corner dime, uh, with LeBlanc, their tendency was to play cover one. When they were in their three safety dime, uh, and that meant Epps was, was playing, um, they tended to play more zone. Now, in a critical situation in the game, third and three with less than two minutes to go, they were in the three safety dime, but that time they played man mm. because the situation demanded it. But that was really their tendency during the game. So LeBlanc played in the dime as, as the fourth corner, and then Epps played in the dime as the third safety. And you're 100% right. They played more snaps of split safety this week as opposed to post safety. And, uh, you know, they mixed it up with, like you said, they played cover four, cover six. Um, I, when, at one point, they got to cover two with with disguise and late movement. It was when the Giants had the ball deep in their own end on a third down play. So I think they tried to mix up things a little bit more. Yeah, that forced Eli Manning to hold on to the ball, look a little bit, uh, I don't want to say frenetic, but you saw a couple where he was just uncomfortable getting rid of the football. Uh, you know, that, that led to some incompletions. There was one over the middle. I can remember the one that Nate Gary broke up. Nigel Bradham was in position to defend one throw and kind of uh, forced Eli to hold it where they were able to just kind of mix things up, use some disguise, uh, and make him question what he was seeing uh, on the back end. And I thought that that was really, really effective for them uh, in that game. Uh, I think you know, one, one other third down stop that kind of stands out to me uh, was that attempt flea flicker uh, by the <laughs> by, by the yeah. uh, by the New York Giants and look the the play it's funny um, the play in itself worked they had a receiver going down the seam I've I've never seen the, this action though Greg and tell me if tell me if I'm wrong I'm sure you've seen it um, you know with the endless hours of film that you've studied over the years but with the the flea flicker with the draw action where you're sucking the D-line up, selling pass, hand it off, then have the running back toss it back to the quarterback. Right. Josh Sweat was basically back there already because yeah. he had already been sucked up by the draw. So that was, to me, one of the things that led to that play not working for New York. Yeah, that surprised me. I mean, first of all, it surprised me that you would do that. on That was third and long yeah. because the Eagles were playing sticks coverage. Um, so, yeah, that, that was just a surprising play. Uh, only they could tell you why they called it. Obviously, it didn't work. But you know what was odd is the Eagles players who were at the sticks, a bunch of them came racing yeah, up. they bit it. Oh, no so, question. I mean, he was, was going to be open. Yeah, theoretically, the play could have worked. But yep. you're right. The draw action kind of brought the defensive line into the backfield. Right, yeah. If it was against a different defensive line that wasn't as aggressive upfield, I would say, oh, like, okay, like, I can like, I can kind of see how that would work. Um, but going back to that defensive line, Vinnie Curry had a couple sacks in the game. Uh, one of them did come on third down where you saw that yes. uh, cover six, that combo coverage uh, where it was quarters on one side and cover two on the other. Uh, so the coverage kind of allowed Vinnie Curry to be able to get home. The other, he just flew off the ball. This was a first down sack. He flew off the ball, beat the tight end, beat Solder off the corner, and was able to get home for a sack as well. So Really good to see that. I thought Josh Sweat had a couple of really nice rushes in the game. BG, Brandon Graham had a couple of nice rushes. The ball was just coming out very, very quickly, and obviously they wanted to stay committed to the run game with Saquon Barkley as well. 
Yeah, I thought they did a good job in the run game. Yeah, they did. I mean, Barkley did not really break one. I thought they got a lot of bodies to him. I thought when they were in their base 4-3, and I don't know how many snaps he played, but I thought that Edwards flashed again. He did. At times. And again, not not necessarily the number of tackles, but just very active in the middle of defense. First play of the game. What's that? First play of the game, he he oh, rifled yeah. downhill and was able to disrupt the the path for Saquon yep. and force him to bounce and end up into a one yard gain or a zero yard gain. Yeah, he's shown that when he's played this year. And again, another guy, a free agent, uh, a lot of snaps in the Big Ten, a lot of production in the Big Ten, but was viewed as not necessarily having the traits. But we've also seen in this league a lot of those kinds of players as base defense players. Nobody's suggesting he's a three down player because he's not, but. You know, guys like that can be interesting as 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 stacked backers in a base four three. Another guy who I think has has put some good tape out there. Yeah. You know, I don't know what the Eagles feel about him and and as they go forward, but I think he's put some good tape out there when he's played. No question. Yeah, it's uh, it's always fun to be able to watch some of these young guys and just continue to watch them develop, especially when you watch them in college and see how they make that transition. All right, uh, Greg, let's, as I'm saying that, let's now transition to this matchup against the Washington Redskins here on Sunday. Uh, look, every game at this point, moving the, as we get into the end of part of the season, is the, the stakes just get higher and higher because now, oh, yeah. uh, you know, with Washington, uh, this is a team. They've won two of the last three. They already got you know, Ron Rivera fired down in Carolina. They, near, they they gave Green Bay all they could handle. It was a one-score game last week. So this is a team that is not given up. They have not gone to the tank. They're playing very hard. We said this a couple of weeks ago uh, against Miami. This was a team that, you know, especially on defense, they are playing very hard. Yeah, and I, and I think yeah, we have to understand one thing, and we're not saying anything wrong here. The Eagles are not a team at this point in time that looks like they're going to put up 35 on a weekly basis. So every game is relatively close. Um, and in some ways, you could argue that the, the Eagles game with the Redskins this week could be much like the Packers-Redskins game mm. last week, where the Redskins were essentially in the game until the middle of the fourth quarter, I guess, when the Packers kicked that field goal to make it a two-score game. Yeah. Um, but uh, but you're right. The defense, Kerrigan, was back this week. They've got a good D-line, although it struggled against the run. I think Aaron Jones, by the way, is a really, really good yeah. runner. Yeah. Uh, and I loved him coming out of UTEP. Um, but but I, I think for the most part, their D-line is very, very good. There's always individual isolated plays where those D-linemen just look sensational and dominate the player uh, in front of them. Um, you know, I think they've, they've had some, some up and down success at the stacked linebacker position they mm. essentially play three stacked backers throughout the course of the game both in base and nickel that's bostic holcomb and hamilton so you know obviously they're searching they don't feel really comfortable with with just putting two really good guys there so they mix and match yeah, I think when you look at that front seven, certainly, as you said, the strength is that front three. Those three down linemen uh, in their base, 3-4. You look at Daron Payne at the nose tackle, Jonathan Allen at right end, and then Matt Ioannidis, the Temple kid, at left end. They're very good with their stunts and twists. Ioannidis in particular is really, really effective in those schemes. Payne, strong, he's powerful, he's disruptive, and Jonathan Allen is just a really good all-around player, and he's actually really stood out to me uh, on film, especially over the last few weeks. I think he's been arguably their best defensive player uh, watching Jonathan Allen play uh, over the last few weeks. I think he's really kind of come on here at this point in the season. Um, off the edge, you mentioned Kerrigan's back. They're also starting that rookie first-round pick, Montez Sweat, who, you know, there were a couple of times where I thought he kind of got reached in the run game and gave up the edge uh, in this game against Green Bay. But overall, I think you're starting to see some flashes with him as well as a pass rusher. 
I would agree. I think he's a nice development for a rookie. Um, and we know that he's got good size, long arms. He can rush the quarterback. I remember a play he made this week in the run game where I thought he did a really, really nice job. So, no, they've got a very good uh, – well, let's put it this way. The five across yeah. in, their, in their base three, four are very, very good. Right. Um, obviously, Sweat and um, – uh, and Kerrigan are their pass rushers when they go nickel. They're not a big dime team. They had some injuries in the secondary last yeah. week. The fascinating thing was Josh Norman was healthy and did not play a snap. Right. So, I mean, they've been starting Moreau and Dunbar at corner. I know Dunbar got hurt and he was out. So then um, uh, I forget who they moved Moreland outside in their base. Right. And then when they went to their. Um, I know Moreau came back at some so, point. Yeah, Moreau came back. Simeon Thomas came in, uh, you know, and he he played a good amount of snaps for them in this game. And he they, looks the part. I, I don't yes. know much about his background, but he is long and athletic. Honestly, very similar to Dunbar when you looked at you know the size profile yeah. and you know how he was coming out uh, of college. I want to say he was he may have been Rice. I'm trying to. Remember. I definitely watched him coming out. Um, but you, Simeon Thomas, uh, Quentin Dunbar, I think are very similar from a size speed profile. I think when you look at those guys, they're still trying to figure it out, certainly, uh, on the back end. At safety, you've got Monte Nicholson playing in the post, Landon Collins uh, playing as the strong safety. Yes, uh, and, and they're pretty defined in what they do there. Yeah. Um, they play a lot of uh, single high, uh, so Nicholson is the post safety. Um, he's a big guy. He's got straight line speed. I would say that he's probably a little tight hip to be a true post safety in an ideal world, but his straight line speed is really good, and he plays downhill very well. Yeah, he's got the ability to make the go up and make the play on, on the ball yeah. as well. Uh, <clears throat> when he's got that ability to make it outside the outside the numbers, uh, he's got that range to be able to do that. Um, schematically, when you look at this defense, well, how what's the profile on them in terms of uh, moving into this matchup? Um, you know, they're one of those teams that. Uh, you have to talk about them, I think, in their sub-nickel because in their base, mm. we know they're a 3-4. Yep. And But I think when you get to their sub-nickel, they're not a high-percentage blitz de- defense. You know, They have some blitz tendencies. We've yep. talked about that over the last couple of years. Um, but but you know, I think they rely on their, their down four for their pass rush with Kerrigan back in particular. And we know that Kerrigan uh, has, has given the Eagles problems at times, and it looks like he'll probably be matched against Vitae this week. I think that would be pr- probably the assumption at this point, Fran, don't you think? Yeah, probably. Again, we're recording this before Doug Peterson's day after press conference, so we haven't gotten any kind of word yet. But uh, certainly the way the injury looked it did not look promising. I mean, even if it's a high ankle sprain, he's not likely to be back this week. Right. And so that would be Johnson, of course. Um, uh, so Kerrigan's always given the Eagles some problems off the edge. Um, and, you know, so I think that that's really kind of their M.O. They're tough inside, like you said, with Allen Payne. Ionitis is, has he's a way better player than people probably thought he might yeah. become coming out of Temple. But he's a really good player. Now, I think you can attack these linebackers in coverage. I think mm. that's an area you have to look at hard when you play against this team. You can attack these linebackers in coverage. Yeah, well, I think that that's certainly an area you can try and figure out to see if you can get some matchups there, uh, whether it's out in the perimeter or in the middle of the field. Let's go over to the other side and talk about this Washington offense. Obviously, Jay Gruden was let go in the middle of the season, so Bill Callahan promoted to interim head coach uh what are your thoughts what how is has the scheme changed in your mind uh, what are they doing offensively uh especially now the last time these, these two teams faced case keenan was the quarterback now you've got yeah. the rookie Dwayne haskins in there as well well i think the i think the scheme has changed a bit because i think they start as you know friend with the run game yeah. and 
we know Geis will be out this week, and it'll be Peterson, but he still runs very, very hard. I mean, you you saw the tape this past week. Yep. Uh, he runs hard, um, and so you need to get bodies to him. But I think getting to the point about the scheme, I think what you're looking at a little bit more now it, with the new quarterback in Haskins is a little more of the play action and a little more of the deeper drops, and that's what Haskins is. And they line up with six offensive linemen. Um, they want to run the ball. They want to be physical. Um, they play with a fullback at times. It's a little bit of an old-school offense. Mm. They've got the big, strong-arm quarterback who's not a particularly good mover. They need to protect him, so they need bigger bodies. Uh, and, and you know, Haskins, I think, as to be expected, has been up and down. Uh, he certainly can stand in the pocket and sit on that back foot and drive the football and make those intermediate throws, and I think that's what they'd like to do. Um, and but he's also a guy that if you start to get people around him, his yes. feet are a little heavy. Yep. And I don't think he moves particularly well. I mean, at times, can he move? Sure. You know, it's not as if he's non-athletic, but essentially he's a pocket thrower. And I think the issue for him is a lot of his game changes when you get people around him. And I think that's critical in this game. Yeah, he's not. I don't think he's playing at the point right now where you look at what the Eagles saw last week in Eli Manning, what they saw the week before in Ryan Fitzpatrick, where he's hitting the top of his drop and the ball is going to consistently come out immediately. No. I think if you're able to cloud the picture for him, he's going to hold on to that football. And I think that that can kind of play into the Eagles' hands a little bit from a defensive line standpoint because uh, the last few weeks we haven't seen that. You know, And I think that that... Uh, you know, Tom Brady was getting the ball out very, very quickly. Uh, Russell Wilson didn't get rid of the ball quickly, got sacked six times. And I think, well, like right. I said, the last two weeks, uh, that has not been the case. So it'll right. be very interesting to see if Washington tries to alter that game plan a little bit to try and see if they can get the ball out of Haskins' hands a little bit. Because I agree with you, the number one thing with him pressure in his face, whether it's with the front four or with Blitz or the threat of Blitz, I think kind of throws him off kilter a little bit. You see that he doesn't, doesn't have the same kind of rhythm and pace to his no. drop. You see the little hitches uh, you know, in his lower body. Uh, the, his lead foot is a little bit of a, a, little bit of a mess, honestly, right now. So uh, you know, mechanically, certainly there are some issues there, and we'll get into that a little bit later as well. Yeah, he's stiff in his lower body. I yeah. mean, that, that's the bottom line. We all knew that when he came out sure. as well, yep. but obviously – because of his arm, people felt that he was a solid prospect, and he can make throws. Uh, there's no question. Um, you know, I think that each game he's gotten incrementally better. I thought, I think he started three games, correct? I think it, it might even be more than that now at this point. Four? Yeah, well, whatever. I think it's, yeah, four, four, it might be four or five at this point. But yeah, yeah go ahead. Yep. Each, each game, you know, I think he's gotten a little better incrementally. Yeah. Uh, but you make a really good point, which I agree with. I think you got to cloud the picture for him. You got to make him hold the ball. Yep. Um, because I think the longer he holds the ball, the less effective he is. No doubt. Because that's where his heavy feet come into play, and uh, you know, he, then he just doesn't see things as clearly. So that's critical in this game. So we talked about the Eagles uh, mixing coverages more in this game. We talked about a little bit of disguise in the game against the Giants, some late movement. I think you have to see that. And then I think in this game for sure – and this will depend on the score, but I think you'll see some some zero blitz. Now, mm. having said that, I think McLaren is a factor. He, yes. He's he's a very very good receiver, and he can run by any Eagles corner. Yeah, he's. He's really developed into a really good player because it's not even just the raw speed. I mean, he made an outstanding touchdown catch uh, oh my God. last week. I mean, he, yeah. his ability to separate has been really good. There have been so many times on film where he is wide open and the ball just does not come out. And it's uh, You could see that he's getting a little bit frustrated. You would think, right. oh, they've got the relationship, former teammates at Ohio State, uh, him and Haskins. But uh, the, this kid can separate. He's able to finish at the catch point and create after the catch. Uh, he's, he's turned into a really nice player, Terry McLaurin. 
I couldn't agree more. I think that he's the guy you have to watch in this game. He's the big play guy. Yeah. Because, you know, we saw what happened with, with Slayton. Obviously, one was a missed tackle and one was a bust, but they counted. They were touchdowns. Yeah. So you you have to be really careful. I mean, because McLaren, not only can he run by you, but you're right. You watch him carefully. And I think not a lot of us saw this, and it's easy to say, oh, you know, right. somebody should have taken him in the first round. That's always easy after the fact. Um, I thought he showed some refinement in Ohio State, but I would never have expected this because he runs really nice routes, and he can separate. He's got both short area quickness, and he's got long speed. So he's the guy that you have to be careful about because, you know, hey, the Eagles can Came back to win last night, but you know they got down 14, uh, 14-3, and you know I know you were thinking the same thing because the Eagles do not have a lot of explosiveness to their offense. You get into those kinds of games and you get a little nervous. Yeah, and I think you know the, go back to Week One and McLaren. Uh, he was the guy that you know nearly beat the Eagles in that game. I mean, he had a, a couple of big plays down the field where you kind of saw that speed, his ability to run by people. Um, and it's funny you mentioned you know watching him at Ohio State, he didn't show, quite show that refinement. I didn't ne- ne- really see that until I saw him in person in Mobile at the Senior Bowl, and that's where I, right. like, he kind of popped off the film or popped off the film, and even watching him live, uh, just seeing him you know the suddenness in and out of breaks, the sharpness uh, with his cuts was really really impressive. His ability to create his own separation there, uh, and that is carried over into his rookie season. So certainly a guy uh, that the Eagles will have to have circled in the game plan this week. Uh, I think ultimately, though, in the passing game, Look, they, they've got Steven Sims, the undrafted free agent, uh, who is starting to make some plays for them as a, as a little bit of a slot guy. Trey Quinn missed last week. Paul Richardson missed last week. So we'll see if those guys are able to come back. They're really missing those two tight ends. Both Jordan Reed and Vernon Davis are both on injured reserve. So uh, kind of mixing and matching as well from a personnel standpoint with their pass catchers, Washington. Yeah, and the other guy, the other rookie is Kelvin Harmon, who gets a yep. lot of snaps. Sure. And, you know, he works in the middle of the field pretty well. I mean, yeah. one thing about Haskins is he does throw the ball in the middle of the field, and, he, you know, he will drive it. And, you know, I think, look, I guarantee that in the meeting rooms this week, the Eagles defensive coaches are saying, hey, he's going to throw a few to us. Now, it's not that he's throwing a ton of interceptions, uh, but I think the feeling would be that if you can pressure him, and he's been very susceptible to sacks, he doesn't really have pocket movement yet. Yes. That's something he's going to have to develop because when all said and done, he's a pure pocket passer. And pure pocket passers in this league need to be able to navigate the pocket. Haskins at this point cannot do that. Yep, I think that's something that uh, is certainly evident watching on film. Sacks have been uh, a huge issue for them. The personnel up front is not great. You know, Donald Penn, uh, certainly on the back end of his career. Eric Flowers at guard. Roulier can be beat with power inside uh, at center. Uh, at right guard, Brandon Scherf is, is one of the best in the league. And you've got Morgan Correct. Moses, a solid player at right tackle. But uh, there are certainly some matchups there that the Eagles will look to try and take advantage of uh, as they have in the past. But, uh, Greg, looking forward to breaking this game down with you next week. Right back here uh, in the studio at at the NovaCare Complex. Uh, thanks again for joining us here on Chalk Talk on the Uline the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. Thanks, Fran. Great stuff from Greg, and you can follow him on Twitter just like I do, at Greg Cosell. And while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And you know how much I appreciate each and every one of you who promote this podcast on any form of social media. That is one way to support the show, but the best way is to go on to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Wherever you listen to the show, just leave us a quick rating and leave us a quick comment. You can even leave us a question as well. And I want to give a shout 
shout out to a couple of people who left some comments in the last few weeks. Let's start off with Fly Eagles, who left a five-star review saying how much they love the show and all the content. And then Da Fuentes also left a five-star review saying they love the podcast. They learned about it when they went to their first game at Lincoln Financial Field and have been an avid listener ever since. It keeps them updated on everything being a fan out in Utah. So Da Fuentes, appreciate that. Uh, glad that you enjoyed the experience at the link. I've heard a lot of, from a lot of people who have enjoyed all of the signage, uh, not just at Lincoln Financial Field, but all around the city of Philadelphia. It's been great to hear from everybody. Uh, and thank you for everybody uh, that listens to this show and supports all of our podcasts here at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. All right, let's move on to the next segment of the show. It's time for Scouting Report on Washington rookie quarterback Dwayne Haskins. Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the Scouting Report. All right, so Dwayne Haskins, a really interesting study. Obviously, only a one-year starter playing for Urban Meyer in that shotgun spread system there uh, for Ohio State, and a guy that had a lot of production in his only year as a starter. Heisman Trophy finalist, Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year, first-team all-conference. He was the quarterback of the year, obviously, in the Big Ten as well. Pretty well-built kid, and these were the positives that I saw from him on film. I thought he showed the ability to throw with anticipation on those outside receivers, the primary receivers, you know, outside the numbers. So deep hitches, slants, uh, in breakers, you know, the ability where the guy was the primary read outside the numbers, he would get rid of the football before the guy got out of his break. So I thought that was one thing that really stood out. He flashed the ability to make second window throws. And what a second window throw is when he's re- he's back and ready to pull the trigger on a throw, and he sees that a defender is in the throwing lane, a guy that's right in the, in the path of where the receiver's getting ready to go. He'll hold it just for a second, just to allow that receiver to clear that defender and throw it into the second window. So not the primary throw lane, but wait for the, def- the receiver to clear and then put it into the second window. I thought he did that numerous times in the quick game at Ohio State. That was one thing I really liked from him on film. He had a nice compact release. He made throws both off platform and uh, from different arm angles, depending on the play, and I thought that was impressive throughout the course of a game. He made some really good touch passes at all three levels of the field, and overall I thought his accuracy was pretty good. He didn't have a lot of bad misses on tape from an accuracy standpoint. Now, when I think you get to the, some of the negatives, some of the things I Obviously, look, he was coming from a shotgun system, so he would have to learn how to take snaps from under center, the footwork that would have to go with that, and then namely as well, have to learn how to take play action drops, turn his back to the defense, and see something completely different than from what he had eyes on the defense pre-snap. So that was an adjustment he would have to make. We see that with a lot of quarterbacks coming from college to the NFL. I thought the limited starting experience also showed up on film, You know, namely when dealing with pressure. And I thought when you watched him at Ohio State, when things were not well-defined, for him in coverage. I thought he would hold on to the football a little bit more than you would want. I thought he really struggled when he felt the rush coming. His process would speed up a little bit more than you'd like to see. His feet would chatter a little bit more than you would like to see, even sometimes where he would square up to the line of scrimmage. So that was not something you would want. I thought he struggled throwing with anticipation in the middle of the field. You know, that was something we talked about with him as a positive outside the numbers on those primary reads. But when he got into the middle of the field where there were more bodies, a little bit more congested. You saw that he would hold on to the ball a little bit longer than when you would like if things were not well defined. Again, I thought he would hurry himself a little bit more under pressure. He didn't really look comfortable stepping up and climbing into the pocket. He would make those throws and there he still does it in Washington. We talked about it earlier with Greg where he will have those flash plays, but it didn't look comfortable. It didn't look like he was always in rhythm and that was something uh, that really stood out to me. He would typically understride. And when you talk about lower body mechanics, this was a guy that I thought, you know, most quarterbacks 
quarterbacks need to tweak that when they go to the NFL. I thought with him, with Dwayne Haskins, too often you would see him under stride. They call it stepping into the bucket where he doesn't really take that step with that off leg. And he's too, too often uh, would step backwards or fall away from throws. And that really affects a guy's ability to drive the football. And I thought you saw that with Dwayne Haskins. He was not a pure uh, you know, A-plus arm talent that was going to impress you with all the throws he'd make to all stretches of the field. But the, the uh, velocity would also get thrown off because of his lower body mechanics. So that was something that really stood out to me uh, on film. He also didn't have the athleticism, the twitch that I thought to be able to escape pressure. And I thought I think this is where I want to really want to take the conversation. To me, with a rookie quarterback and all young quarterbacks, we'll say we'll say quarterbacks in you know years one through five. It takes time to be able to recognize things from a defensive standpoint, schematically be able to get yourself out of pressure. Defensive coordinators are too smart. They're always going to throw looks at you that you have not seen yet as a quarterback. So you can get out of pressure in one of two ways. You can get out of it it with your feet or you can get out of it with your mind, which allows you to beat it with your arm. So I think when you look at Dwayne Haskins, he's not a guy that has that quick twitch athleticism. You know, you think of Jared Goff, you think of Josh Rosen, and you know, there have been a lot of guys that have come out in recent years that have struggle to be able to avoid pressure. That's why guys like Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray this year, a lot of these young quarterbacks have the ability to get out of pressure with their feet, and that allows them to get out of the outside of the pocket and make big plays. If you don't have that athleticism, you've got to be able to beat it with your mind. That means understanding where the ball has to go when you're facing pressure. When you have pressure that you weren't expecting come from your left, where's your hot receiver? Pre-snap, can you recognize that, change things up at the line of scrimmage, or can your scheme help overcome that? We've seen that with uh, with Jared Goff out in LA with Sean McVay, and you know there's been a lot written and talked about with what he does to help Jared Goff be able to defeat pressure. So I think ultimately, when you look at Haskins, he's not the guy that's going to always be able to avoid make that first man miss and create outside of structure. So now what needs to happen for him to take that next step? He's got to be able to you know see things before the snap, and then after the snap, understand where he's got to be able to go with the football. When you look at Haskins. That's really going to be the next step he's going to have to take next year going into year two as a quarterback. Overall, I wrote that he was a timing and rhythm passer, looked at his best when he was in the quick game, when things are very well defined. I thought he was a little bit of a projection because of the small sample size in college, but I did like some of the flashes that I saw from him as a sophomore. He can't do it all all on his own as a quarterback, but he can execute a very well-scripted offense and keep a team on schedule. He'll be a product of his situation. That's why I wrote about him coming out out of Ohio State. So this is a guy that, look, they need to continue to build around him. Uh, you're looking big picture at Dwayne Haskins. If they buy into him as their quarterback of the future, this is a guy that they're going to need to continue to add receivers next to. Terry McLaurin certainly uh, has developed into a top-level threat uh, so far in his rookie campaign. So continue to add pieces around him. The offensive line needs to get a little bit better long-term. But ultimately, this is a guy that I think they can continue to work with. He needs to just continue to make strides, both physically and mentally, at the quarterback position. So uh, those are my notes on Haskins coming out of Ohio State. Still a very interesting player, an interesting case study as we move forward uh, throughout the course of his NFL career. All right, that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade. Thanks so much to Greg Cosell and all of you out there listening. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I'm Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.